Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Come on, we're going to get in the Word today. But before we do, I want to just remind you that we have our 21 days of prayer and fasting. You say, Ryan, I haven't tired on the 21st day. It's okay. Uh, you can just step on anytime. And uh, we've had an amazing time so far. I know in my life I've had some pretty significant things happen in my life already, and it's pretty cool. But every single day we are online from 12 to 12.30 on Facebook Live and YouTube Live. And we have different guests on there. We worship. We pray. We study the Bible. It's just kind of a unique experience. It almost feels a little bit like a TV show on some level. So Love City TV, come on now. So come and join us. Anyways, we're going to get into the Word today. We're going to, uh, we've been doing a series, Church, It's Time to Pray. And we've been talking about how God does supernatural things in our lives uh, when, we, when we respond with a supernatural response. And He wants to cause a supernatural world to impact our natural world. And now more than ever in our world, it's time to pray. And the last couple of weeks, I've taken a very practical uh, look at some of these scriptures uh, in James and 1 Timothy. Today, Wednesday, during our time of prayer with some of our leaders, I just felt the Lord drop a word on my heart right away, and I knew exactly what I was going to share on this week. And and it was just, it's a real prophetic thought for you. It's an encouraging thought for you today. It's a thought that my prayer would be is that it would stir your faith today, that you would be stirred in your faith, stirred in your belief in God, and that God wants to do something significant in your life during this 20 21 days of prayer and fasting. Yes. Honestly, whether you're fasting or not, I believe that. But, but I just want the word today, the message today, to be uh, life-giving and encouraging and, and stir your faith and just to be a prophetic word for your life today to know that God is still up to something great. He's still good. He's still sovereign. And he still wants to move uh, in your life. And when you and I face natural problems in our life, we have several ways of responding. You know, we have several ways of responding when we experience difficulty or hardship or things hit us in our life. We all have a natural, carnal response and a natural way of responding. But today I want to talk to you about our spiritual response, our our supernatural response to the natural things that happen in in your life. And it's very simple and and it's very uh, practical and foundational, and elementary, but I'm preaching on this today because I just want you to get this church that God has made it easy for us to experience a supernatural world in our natural life. And and I want to talk today about the the power of prayer and worship, and this idea, how it's combined all throughout Scripture, and how when you and I respond in prayer, and we respond by worshiping, it stirs our faith, it stirs our capacity, it stirs our perspective, it stirs us to see things through the eyes of God, and we begin to see a supernatural impact in our natural world. And so we're going to look at a scripture today. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Acts chapter, uh, Acts chapter 16, and uh, we're going to read from 16 on to uh, just for a little bit in there. But if you have a Bible at home or your digital Bible, go ahead and turn that. It'll also be on the screen here. But the context of this verse is that Paul uh, was and Silas were, were, were hanging out uh, in, in a city. And as they were in, in this, this city, they were there and um, they were wanting to plant a church. And while they were there, they met this lady and this lady uh, gave her life to the Lord. It was like the beginnings of the church. And so they were kind of just scouting out the area 
area and figuring things out. And uh, there was God was already moving in a lady Lydia's life who had overheard Paul talking about the Bible and prayer. And she was really intrigued. So she came over and asked Paul about it. And she ended up giving her life to the Lord. And her family gave her life to the Lord. And, and the church started uh, in this place. And so here's Paul and, and his companion Silas. They're walking down the road. And as they're walking down the road through this town, all of a sudden there was this young girl who started walking behind them and, and she started yelling at the top of her lungs about Paul and Silas. And it was super irritating. And the Bible teaches us that she was possessed with a demon. She was a fortune teller. She was a tarot card reader. She was a psychic, a palm reader. They would have these different people who were filled with demonic spirits who would wait for the tourists to come into town. As they would come in, they'd say, oh, let me tell you fortune or let me tell you about your, your future. Come into my tent and I'll tell you all about it. I need you to hear this today. The Bible identifies that those types of individuals have a demonic spirit living within them. And so here this demonic girl, she's filled with a demon. This young girl is walking behind Paul and Silas. And then the verse says, she followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Now, as a church planner, if I had a girl walking around, like promoting that, that we were talking about Jesus, I wouldn't want to shut this girl up. I'd want her to keep talking because church planners are cheap and Facebook advertising is expensive. And we want to like, you know, like if I'm getting cheap advertising, this girl's like, these guys are preaching the gospel. These are telling you how to get saved. Man, she went on and on and on and on for days. And finally, this irritated Paul. I don't know about you. When you get irritated, how do you handle it? He handles it by casting a demon at us somebody. And so he was super irritated. He's super annoyed. And the scripture says that she kept on doing this for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. Now, come on. Again, I said, well, like, when you're annoyed next time, try casting the demon out of your child. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. There's no demon in your kid. But <laughs> just kidding. All the parents are like, oh, it's good advice. But Paul was so irritated. And he was so annoyed with this girl that he went and cast the demon out of this girl so she would stop going on about how we were telling people how to be saved. Well, this girl ran down into the, the little marketplace and uh, right in the city, and she went to her boss and said, hey, like, I don't have the ability to tell the future anymore, but my torment's gone. I'm finally done being tormented by these voices in my head and this challenge I've been facing. I'm feeling discouraged and frustrated, and I'm set free. I've been redeemed. I've given my life to Jesus. And this good guy in the marketplace, her boss, her owner, who had a lot of different uh, psychic people and diviners and all these people was so ticked at this guy that they went out and found Paul and Silas. And the Bible says that they grabbed them and they brought them into the marketplace, into the city. They brought them before the magistrate, the people who made, you know, decisions on, you know, city matters. And they said, these guys cast this demon. They took away her ability to see the future. That was my income. I built a business on that. Like these guys, uh, we need to do something about it. And the Bible says that all all of a sudden, a mob quickly formed. So this all started with Paul being annoyed. <laughs> and he turned around and cast a demon out of a girl. Now he's brought in front of the city manager. They start getting upset. A mob is quickly formed against Paul and Silas. And the city officials ordered them to be stripped. I don't hear any, uh, you know, like debate or any like questioning. They just ordered him to be stripped 
and beaten with wooden rods. The next time you're annoyed, like remember, Paul got beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten and they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was ordered to make sure that they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. This is a really, really difficult situation. They were uh, put into a dungeon where they were not going to escape. They were shut behind this door. They were wrongfully accused. They didn't have an opportunity to defend themselves. Here they are in the middle of this dungeon with their feet clamped, and they've been stripped, and they've been beaten. And here they are in this situation where it seemed like he was doing something good, and it seemed like he was doing something good for God. And here he is in the middle of a difficult situation, and he's sitting in this prison, sitting in this dungeon. My question for you today is, maybe you're here today, and you're watching, and you say, Ryan, I feel like I'm in a similar situation. Maybe you haven't gotten beaten with rods and you're not in a dungeon, but maybe today you're watching and you feel like, man, life is beating me down. I'm being beat down by difficult situations. I'm being beat down by the enemy of my soul. I'm being beat down by my financial needs. It feels like it's just one thing after the other in my life that whenever I get my head up from this last beating, the world comes and beats me back down again. I feel like I just can't seem to get a break. Or maybe you feel like you're stuck in there. There's no way out and maybe you're in a broken relationship and it feels like you're like in a dungeon or, or, or you're trapped in this difficult situation or your finances, you feel trapped and there's no way out and I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm in this deep dungeon or maybe you're watching today and you feel like that's just like my life where I have burdens and I have chains and I've been shackled by the sin in my life and I just can't seem to break through and I, I just can't seem to get over it. I, I just can't seem to see breakthrough and transformation in my life, no matter what I do and how much I try. I fasted and I prayed. I just feel like I'm just like chained and there's chains on my life. Right in the verse, it says that around midnight, and this idea of midnight is that they're right in the middle of the situation. They're right in the middle of the problem. They're right during the worst of it. They're right when the marriage feels like it's not going to work out. They're right in the financial season where you're like, I don't know how we're going to pay our mortgage tomorrow. You're right in the season where you say, I don't know if I can handle any more of this sickness in my body or the lack of intimacy in my relationship. You're just in the very middle of the situation. You've been beaten down. You feel completely stuck. You feel burdened with the hardships of your life. And I want to ask you a question. How do you cope? with these natural problems? How do you deal with these natural things that you face in your life? How do you deal with a situation like this? How do you deal with the natural situations that you face in your life? Some of us turn to, to maybe it's fear or discouragement or we give in to how we're feeling or maybe some of it's addiction like pornography or alcohol or maybe we go on a spending spree because it makes us feel good or maybe we draw away from the church or maybe we lean into our sin even more because it's just a lost cause now. I might as well just go home. Have you ever done that before you're like well I'm already sitting I might as well just go all the way you know it's like you know we just always find ourselves in a place where we are in a natural situation and we have an option how are we going to respond to the natural situation that you are facing in your life and we remember that here Paul and Silas were in this dungeon and they really had done nothing wrong they had a lot of opportunity to respond improperly by saying, God, why did you allow this to happen? 
God, why did you let me be here? God, why did you allow me to get beaten? And why did you allow me to make these decisions? And why did you do They had a lot of room to get frustrated and not respond the right way that the Bible teaches us. But the Bible does teach us how to respond supernaturally to our natural situations that we're facing. The Bible does give us instruction on how you and I can respond in a supernatural way to the natural circumstances that we're facing. And when we respond in this supernatural way, God does something in our midst. God does something in our life. God does something in our heart. God does something in our relationships. God causes the good to work to those who love him. God does something. He causes the supernatural world to come down into our natural world when we respond with a big biblical response. And look what Paul and Silas did. It's just so, so, so incredible how this is how they responded. <laughs> It says at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. They've been beaten with wooden rods. They've been treated improperly. They were thrown into the deepest dungeon. They had uh, chains around their feet. They, were never, they had no idea when they were getting out. There was no future. And their response was to pray and to sing. You may be hearing me today and say, Ryan, you don't know the situation that I'm in. You don't know what I'm facing. You don't know how difficult this, this is. There's no way that you're implying that if I simply open my mouth and talk to God and give him the credit and honor him and bless him and sing praises to him, you're telling me that if I respond in this supernatural way that God will do something in my midst. And my answer is yes. God will do something in your midst in the supernatural realm. God will. And this is what Paul teaches. He taught this idea in Ephesians uh, chapter, uh, chapter uh, uh, 5, verse 18. But this idea of this word uh, psalms in the scripture, to sing psalms, this word sing means to basically just celebrate God. It means to magnify God through songs of praise. It means to make God big through songs of praise. This idea of magnify, when you magnify something, you take a small object and you make it bigger. You magnify it. And when we have an opportunity, we have a choice. Are we going to magnify the natural situation? Are we going to magnify the problem? Are we going to magnify the discouragement? Are we going to magnify the financial struggle? Are we going to magnify the challenge in our marriage? Or are we going to magnify the creation? the sovereign one, his name is Jesus. We have a choice. Are we going to worship and magnify this hardship or are we going to magnify God? And when we magnify and celebrate God, we are inviting the power of the Holy Spirit into our current situation that you are facing. Look what Paul says, Ephesians 5.18. He says, do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery. Say, Ryan, is it biblical for me to get drunk? Well, it says not, so don't do it, okay? But be filled with the Spirit. So he says this, listen, there is a natural way to respond and there is a spiritual way to respond. When you face a natural thing in your life, choose to be filled with the Spirit. Choose to be filled with the Holy Spirit, with the presence of God in your life. And Paul, Paul here teaches us how to be filled with the Spirit. Look what he says, addressing one another in psalms. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. A psalm is the Bible to sing the Bible, to read the Bible. A hymn is a, a man-written song like we sang today. A spiritual song is a spontaneous song that we sing out loud, a song that we make up. And it says, it says, sing and make melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always. Now notice it says to address one another. Now this is the power of the corporate gathering. Yes. 
We have a couple of folks in the room today, and when, when Stephanie was leading us in worship, and people in, in the room were also lifting their hands and exalting the name of God, there was a powerful exchange of them addressing one another in songs, in psalms, and spiritual songs. My faith was stirred. I began to get filled with the Holy Spirit. When I look back, and people have their eyes closed and their hands raised, and they're exalted, this is why we gather together on Sundays. This is why we come together, not just to hear a speaker or a man, we come together because corporately we want to experience the very presence of the living God together. And what happens is, is my spirit is filled. What happens is, is my faith is, is stirred up. I find that there's something, something supernatural that happens on the inside of my heart. And I become filled with the spirit. And I become filled with a fresh faith. When I begin to lift my voice and sing these psalms, these songs, and these spiritual, spiritual songs. See, when we do these things, we are magnifying God and making God bigger. When you're in the deepest, darkest part of your life, in the midnight of your season, if you make a decision to magnify the Lord, to make God bigger than the situation, to make God bigger than whatever you're facing, I want to make a promise to you that God will fill you. The Holy Spirit will fill you up. Come on, He will give you a fresh faith. Church, are you with me today? Come on, amen. He brings faith up. He rises up faith in your heart. You want to know why I know that? Because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Many theologians believe that when Paul and Silas sat on the floor of the dungeon, they sang a Jewish thing, a Jewish psalms called the Great Halal. And if you're taking notes, the great halal is Psalms 113 through Psalms 118 and Psalms 136. And this is most likely what they were singing and praying together. Psalms 118, out of my deep anguish and pain, I prayed. And God, you helped me as a father. You came to my rescue and broke it. Remember, they're in the inner dungeon clamped in their ankles. You came to my rescue and broke open the way into a beautiful and broad place. Now I know, Lord, that you are for me. I'm sitting in a dungeon. I got clamps around my feet. I've just been beaten. But God, I declare, I magnify you. God, you are for me. And I will never fear what man can do to me. For you stand beside me as my hero who rescues me. And I've seen with my own eyes the defeat of my enemies. I've tried triumphed over them all, Lord. It is so much better to trust in you to save me than to put my confidence in someone else. They sat in the dungeon floor, clamped on their feet, and they had a decision to make. Am I going to magnify the situation that I'm in, or am I going to magnify God? And am I going to lift the name of Jesus Christ? Because right now, I need your spirit to fill me. And he starts to fill you. And a fresh face stirs within you. And you say, I have no clue how I'm going to get out of this dungeon, but I say my God is faithful I trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not on my own understanding. And you begin to lift your voice and sing, Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. You begin to lift your voice when you're driving in your car after that meeting with your boss and he puts his expectations on you and you're frustrated and you didn't get that extra deal and you get in your car and you're angry and you're frustrated and you can turn on some radio station or you can turn on the worship to God and you turn on that worship and you begin to lift your hands and 
and sing and the Holy Spirit fills you and you've got a fresh faith to believe that God, this dungeon that I'm in, I don't get it, but you've got a plan, oh God. You've got a purpose for my life, oh God. I choose to respond with a supernatural worship. Remember, worship and prayer all throughout Scripture are intertwined and connected. The second thing they did in that Scripture is around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. This word praying here is the idea of humbly, hum, to humbly beg for something. It's to consciously speak out loud with a definite aim. It's to talk to God about your hopes and wishes. It's to wish for something uh, and then make a vow. This type of word prayer is actually a, a prayer that's connected to the idea of being worshipful before the Lord. So it's not just intercessory prayer for someone else necessarily. It's a prayer for, uh, for your situation. The same word here in the Greek used prayer is a same word used in Jonah, in the book of Jonah, when Jonah was in the belly of a whale, he prayed something as well. Look what he said, from inside the fish, from inside the dungeon, from inside my anxiety, from inside my discouragement, I prayed, there's the word, to the Lord his God, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. Look at this, here's this word prayer, it's connected, what I have vowed, what I have prayed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. I will go to the people of Nineveh that you're calling me to go to. And I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Just get me out of this fish. God, I promise you, the commitment that I made to follow you all the days of my life, God, I may have strayed a little bit. But I pray to you right now, God, in worshipful celebration unto you, Father, I want to recommit my mind and my heart to you today and say, Lord, I made a commitment to be a faithful husband. I'm going to be a faithful husband. Get me out of this mess, God. God, I promised to you that I was going to be a generous giver to your house. So, God, I pray this financial situation I'm in, God, I make a promise to you that if you bless our family, God, if you get me out of this tough situation, I will always be a generous person for your kingdom, oh God. It's a prayerful consideration of of wishing and hoping that, God, I need your help. I need you to get me out of this, but I want to make a fresh commitment to you. That I, when I get out of here, God, when I get out of this season, I'm going to learn every lesson I need to learn, and I'm going to get back to work for your kingdom. It's this combination. And so here we see that after midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Let's jump back in the story. They're sitting there. They're singing. And Paul leans over to Silas. Hey, Si, you know, I was, you know, we're sitting here in the dungeon, and I'm just kind of I want you to remember how I've been teaching all these different churches, you know, teaching the churches about how to respond in moments like this, you know? I've been talking to them about worship and prayer, and, you know, I've been teaching them, well, like, I feel like maybe we should try it. Like, don't just preach it, but we should practice it. And so I was like, well, that's okay, man. Like, I'm super into it, but, like, I'm a little, like, I don't know. I feel like I'm not really sure what to do and what do I say. What if somebody hears me? And what if the other prisoners hear us and there's an officer right there? You know, what if they tell us to shut up? What if they beat me for it? I don't know what to do. Like, I, like what song do we sing? What do I even say? The ball's like, listen, listen, listen. All throughout the Old Testament, and Jesus taught us this, and all throughout all my writings, I've taught you that there's a supernatural way to respond. And the way we can do it, Silas, is we just literally, this is how you do it. You just open your mouth and start telling 
telling God how good he is and you first do it in some prayers and it'll lead into worship and then worship and it'll lead into prayer and just let's just try it. Silas, Silas, all right, God, whatever. And so Paul's like, here, listen, Silas, you've got a terrible voice. Let me just start this off. Me, 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 me. Okay, Waymaker, miracle. Come on, Silas, get up, man. Pray with me here. Sing with me. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. I don't really believe this right now, but I'm just going to sing it anyways because right now I'm feeling discouraged, but you're the way maker, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. And all of a sudden, Silas says, all right, dear God, come on, God. We just pray right now. Father, we love you. God, I'm so thankful for you. God, I just want to glorify you in this situation. I have literally no idea what happened, oh God. It was like Paul turned around. He was annoyed, and it led to us here. And I don't know what's going on, God, but I just want to say, would you bring your glory in this situation? And Paul chimes in, yeah, God, thank you so much that the beating we got didn't hurt as much as I thought it would hurt God. Thank you, God, that you have to tell us there's power in prayer. And Silas goes, oh, yeah, God. Didn't James chapter 5, didn't you say that we, that we can pray like Elijah, who's a human just like us, and we get to pray powerful prayers? Come on, God. I'm praying powerful prayers right now, God. We believe you're a good God. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Man, something starts to stir in their heart, and their faith begins to rise, and the Holy Spirit begins to fill them. And the scripture says, suddenly... Yeah. There was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundation and all the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off and the jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoner had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't arm yourself, we're all here. And the jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas and he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And the jailer gave his life to the Lord and his wife gave his life to the Lord and his kids gave his life to the Lord and his grandparents gave his life to the Lord and his aunts and uncles gave his life to the Lord and the whole family was water baptized all because Paul got annoyed. He began to worship and pray and sing in the middle of his dungeon. He felt beaten down and he felt like there's no open doors and I, I feel like I'm just struggling in my life. How do I get through it? The Bible simply teaches us a supernatural response of saying, okay, God, I'm going to try this out. I'm going to open my mouth and I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to begin to worship you. I'm going to magnify you bigger than my situation. And there is a suddenly moment in your life. There is an immediate moment in your life. I feel like the Lord wanted me to camp on this for a minute today. I feel like there's some people watching either in the room or on camera watch it online right now, where you have forgotten that our God is a suddenly God, used 167 times in the Bible. God has suddenly moments all throughout the Bible where God does what he says he's going to do, where we pray and God answers. There's bodies have been healed and bodies raised from the dead and people restored and lost people coming back to Jesus Christ, financial needs being met. We serve a suddenly miracle working God. You might be a a bit cynical today like I've been in the past where I say, God, I've been asking this for years. I mean, I see these people talking about, oh, asking you shall receive and all these things. God, it happens to everybody else, but it doesn't happen to me. Listen, I want to encourage you today. We serve a, 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 a promise-keeping God. 
God is never late. He is always on time. He always keeps his promises. He is never, ever tardy. He's never late to the party. I want you to know that no matter what you're going through in your life right now, you can begin to believe in faith and pray once again according to the will of God that God, would you do this in my life? And believe God, you want to do it suddenly. You want to do something supernatural. You want to heal my body. You want to restore my mind. You want to see breakthrough in the areas of sin in my life. Come on, suddenly God wants to do something in your life. I want to stir you today to believe that he is right on time. You say, God, I've been praying for my lost children to come back. God, I've been praying for my body to be healed. God, I've been praying for you to restore this situation. I want you to have a fresh faith to believe that God still is a, is a promise-keeping God. He listens to your prayers. All throughout Scripture, we see that it says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Faith is, is the ability to believe that God exists and that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. You might be here today and you might be serving a God who you think doesn't show up on time to the party, but your God is a promise-keeping God. I want to encourage you in this season, this 21 days of prayer and fasting, start asking of God. Start believing of God. Start believing that our supernatural God wants to do something significant in your life. He wants to blow a fresh faith into your heart. He wants to blow a fresh passion into your heart. He wants to blow a fresh hope into your life today. Come on, he wants to bring a restoration in you today to believe that we serve a God, that when we talk to him, he hears the people, the, the effective prayer of a righteous person avails much. It has much power. Dunamis, miracle working power. Come on, hear this prophetic word for you today. We do not serve a dead God. We serve an alive God who raises the dead and heals the sick and restores marriages and eradicates demonic oppression from our lives. We serve a God who raised the dead. His name is Jesus. Come on, we got to believe this today for our lives that he doesn't delay. And no matter what fa- challenge you're facing, and this is a very frivolous, small example, but my wife and I, every December, uh, have, uh, we, we lose about $1,000 because she's a teacher. And we needed 1000 bucks. I said, Lord, we're in a tough situation. We need you to bring 1000 bucks. My wife and I prayed, and we always sing together. We're singing, and we go on walks, and sometimes we'll just break out into worship song. It's just a, you know, it's a prayer night. James isn't even there. Next time, James will walk behind his playing his guitar. <laughs> so it's... And uh, Lord, we need $1,000 to meet our need. We literally came back from the walk and suddenly there was someone on our front doorstep with an envelope with $1,000 bills in it. I said, here, I felt the Lord wanted me to give this to you. I don't know what happened, but the Lord just spoke to me to give you 1000 bucks. It was literally a, meet, a met need suddenly. Our God still meets needs suddenly. Yes. Suddenly in our lives. Come on, it says suddenly there was a massive earthquake. And the prison was shaken to its foundations. The Lord spoke to me about this in your life, that whenever we ask God to come and do something in our life, here it made me wonder, if there's a massive earthquake, don't you think that it would have destroyed the whole building? Don't you think it would have taken everything out around it if God caused an earthquake on the foundations of the situation you're facing? If God comes to shake up this relationship or God comes to shake up your finances or God comes to shake up your faith or God comes to shake your life up, he wants to mess you up for his kingdom. 
He wants to come and shake you up. You say, oh my gosh, God, what are you, you going to do in my life? I don't, I don't know if I want you to come and shake me up and mess me up. And I'm worried. I want you to know that when God causes a shaking in your foundation of your life, guess what he does? He makes you whole. Amen. In this verse, look what he did. He caused doors to be open. He caused chains to fall off. When you invite the Holy Spirit into your life, it's a bit of a shaking process. There'll be things in your life that says, hey, I love you, but you probably shouldn't be doing this thing anymore. Hey, there's this relationship you need to let go of. Or hey, there's this addiction that you need to get free from. Or hey, there's this thought process that needs to be crucified in your life. During 21 days of prayer, God, I'm not sure that if I let that thing go, will I be okay? He says, yes, I want to make open doors for your life. I want to do something in your life. I want to break the chains off of your life. And I want to move and be the people around you by bringing salvation to the lost of those around you. Look what God wants to do. God wants to move ahead of you. He opened every door. Come on, this is a season for you. Where you might be worried, God, if I give my whole life to you, what if, what if I have to give things up? Or what if I don't, this doesn't happen? Or what if that doesn't happen like I thought? I want you to know that every God door will be open for you. God wants to move ahead of you. He wants to open opportunities for you. Come on, if you're single and you've been praying for a date or even better, a, a, a husband or a wife, hallelujah. Come on, he wants to open that up for you. You say, where's it going to come from? God can do the impossible. He wants to open a door ahead of you. Not only that, God wants to move in you. He wants to break every chain off of your life. He wants to break every single thing that's holding you back off of your life in this season by the power of Jesus Christ. He wants to come and break you free from your thought process, break you free from the, the chains and the bondages in your life. Amen. And lastly, he wants to move all around you. People will look at your life and say, wow, you gave your life to Christ and it didn't look very fun at first, but now I see, wow, God's way is so much better than your way. Hey, how do I know about Jesus? He won't just, we say, well, how do I get people saved around me? Let Jesus change you. Let him transform you. Say yes to every area of your life. Say, yes, God, change me. Open doors for me and I'll go through. Change me on the inside and I'll receive you, Father. I'm open to you. And what's going to happen? People are going to start coming and saying, hey, how do I get saved? Because they're going to see the transformation of God in, in your life. So let me end on this today, this last thought. This verse in James 4, 6. It says, but he gives more grace. This is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, the prideful, but shows favor. He gives grace to the humble. Now, the reason I wanted to mention this as I end today is because I believe for my own life, one of the biggest reasons I don't respond in this very simple, supernatural way is because of my pride. Whenever I face a natural circumstance, I like giving in to my natural uh, fleshly nature. It feels good for a moment, but it doesn't last. I, at times, I'm, I'm embarrassed about praying out loud in front of people. Or at times, I'm like, I don't really feel like worshiping right now. The last thing I want to do is sing Waymaker. I want to go in my bed and watch Netflix and pull the blankets over my head. Like, the last thing I want to do is turn on a worship song. The last, it's just, it's just pride. And when there's pride in our life, the enemy wants to lie to us, to, to, to get us to think that it's better to keep our mouth silent and not talk to the creator of the universe. And what happens when we humble ourselves and we say, God, I need you. And we begin to magnify God through worship. The Bible says that he gives you grace. 
He shows you favor. He begins to unlock His Spirit in your life. You begin to feel a fresh faith. God begins to open doors. There's transformation in your life. People around you are being saved. All from simply opening your mouth and praying. It's very simple. But it's so challenging, isn't it? And today, I want to pray that God's going to help you in this season of your life to respond in a supernatural way to the natural circumstances of your life. Father, right now, I pray for everybody in the room and I pray for everybody watching online. Everyone who's going to watch online later in the week. Father, we acknowledge today that God, the only way for us to truly experience everything you have for us is to acknowledge that we need you. We need you in every relationship, in every need, in every dungeon, in every uh, shackles, God, every door that's not opening. God, we need you. And Father, I pray today that, Lord, Holy Spirit, you would come. In the next moment we're in that dungeon, we would respond with supernatural way by lifting our voices and magnifying you and praying out our needs to you, God, and you would come and you would fill us up like never before. You'd bring a fresh faith like never before. I pray for open doors, God. I pray for broken chains. And I pray for salvation of the lost to those around us. We love you in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.